You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Twenty-six-year-old Loretta Saunders was in an exciting place in her life. She was studying criminology at St Mary's University in Halifax, Canada. She was part of a very big and loving family. Having seven siblings, and although there was quite a distance from where they lived, they were a very close unit. Loretta was an Inuk woman from Newfoundland and Labrador, and she and her family had faced a lot of adversity and hardship over the years. Her sibling DM, formerly known as Delilah, said that they had both experienced physical and sexual abuse as children, a lack of education, and had both battled drug addictions. Loretta had barely entered adulthood when she decided to make a big move and go to Montreal by herself. It was a big change for her, and she found the whole transition very overwhelming. Sadly, before long, her mother Miriam said that she was deep into a drug addiction which at one point was so bad, she was sleeping on the streets. Miriam said Loretta was not going to be beaten by her addiction and was motivated to get clean and sober. Loretta started on a methadone treatment programme and, once her life was back under control, she applied to study at St Mary's University. She was over the moon when she was accepted and had already decided once she had finished her course, she was going to train to be a lawyer. When it came to the topic for her university thesis, she knew right away what she wanted to focus on. Missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls in Canada. It was something she was very passionate about giving a voice to, given her and her family's experiences, and she hoped one day to work on documentaries about it. She was in a great relationship with Yelchin Sakulte, and the couple had been going strong for almost three years. Yelchin said they had just been to visit his family in Turkey, and he had told everyone he knew that she was the one. More joy came when she found out that she was three months pregnant, and she couldn't wait to start a family. She and Yelchin were now living together at his house, so she sublet her apartment to make some extra money. Loretta Saunders had a lot of great things ahead of her, and had made such huge and positive changes in her life. It was a fresh and exciting start for her and Yelchin. She had a baby on the way, was two months away from her graduation, and she couldn't wait for her future. February 14th, 2014. DM received a call from Yelchin, asking if Loretta was around. He hadn't seen her since yesterday, and was panicking. Yelchin had received two weird text messages from Loretta. He said she seemed tense and had apparently locked herself out of her online banking. I'm so stressed that I can't even remember my own mother's maiden name, the message read. He then got another text, saying she was going to stay with a friend, and that she would talk to him later. He had no idea who this friend was, and the message was blunt and short, without giving any details. But DM hadn't heard anything, or seen her either. As the hours ticked by... Loretta's mother and father were now starting to worry too. For someone that was in contact with her family every hour of the day, alarm bells were ringing. Over the next couple of days, everybody was phoning each other, 
hoping that someone had had contact with Loretta. But no one had. Her car was also gone, but all of her belongings were at home. On day three, the police were called and a missing persons report was filed. Detectives turned up to Loretta and Yelchin's home. To everyone's understanding, Yelchin was the last person to have seen her. He said that on February the 13th, Loretta had had a busy day planned, with lots of errands and studying in between. Her day started with heading to her apartment to collect the rent from her tenants, and after this, she was pretty much on the move all day. He told police she hadn't been stressed when she'd left the house. She was always so organised and composed, so the two text messages he had received from her were very out of character. Police spent some time searching the couple's home, but ultimately left, feeling confident that Yelchin had nothing to do with her being missing, and he was just as scared for her as everybody else was. Officers then headed over to her apartment, 41 Cowie Hill Drive, room 1003. There was no one there, but there didn't seem to be anything out of place. Everything was tidy, and nothing seemed amiss. Neighbours said that the couple living there left a few days ago to go away on a Valentine's break and no one had visited since. The camera footage from downstairs gave a clear view of the entrance and showed that Loretta had in fact arrived at the building just before 11am on February the 13th. Given the fact that she had now been missing for four days, there was a lot of footage to get through. It was possible she could have stayed in her apartment while her tenants were gone and then left a couple of days later, so every camera and exit needed to be checked. The family of a woman who is missing in Halifax is appealing for public help. Loretta Saunders is 26 and was pregnant when she disappeared last week. Despite a prolonged search of this Halifax apartment building, police investigators have yet to answer the question, where is Loretta Saunders? She's an Inuk from an Inuit community in Labrador, whose life hasn't been easy, but she was on the right path. Supporters are distributing a new batch of posters desperate for more clues. More family members are flying to Halifax next week to endure the painful mystery together. I'd like to make a national plea um, to see if anyone has seen her car or has any information. She is so strong and that's what's keeping me going through this, knowing that she, she wouldn't want us, you know, wasting time crying and, you know, sitting around feeling bad. She's so smart and she is, she is my world, she's my everything. A young woman going to university that was in contact with her family every single day until February 13th. And since then, there hasn't been any contact. I met her through friends. Back in Halifax, Saunders' boyfriend says he hasn't seen her since last Thursday. He said she was going to see her roommates. She says she was stressed and, like, she locked herself out and banking, online banking. And, like, she, she, she she needed money. It's like I'm so stressed that, like, I can't even remember my own mother's maiden name. We need to, we need to get her back. And so, a Facebook campaign has been launched to bring Saunders home. An online fundraiser was set up to help bring Loretta's five brothers and parents from Newfoundland and Labrador to Nova Scotia. In a matter of days, they had reached their goal, 
and the family could finally be together. Detectives got hold of Blake and Victoria, Loretta's tenants, but they said they hadn't seen or heard anything from her in days either. They said they were currently way out of town, 200 miles away, so they couldn't really be of much help. Detectives soon found out that Loretta's cards were still active and being used via contactless payments, and everyone felt hopeful that this was a good sign. On February the 13th, just before 5pm, Loretta's cards had been used inside a store. The camera showed her car parked outside, but the woman that used the card didn't look like Loretta. Several minutes later, her card was used again at a Tim Hortons, about 10 miles away from her apartment. A lady wearing a blue jacket could be made out, and as soon as the employee moved to the side, the person driving could be seen as well. It was clearly not Loretta either. Five days later, detectives back in Halifax received a call from another police department. Loretta's car had been located. It was miles away in Harrow, Ontario, and it was parked outside someone's house. The people inside the house were none other than Blake Leggett and Victoria Hennebury, Loretta's tenants. They were arrested for possessing a stolen vehicle, but police still needed to establish exactly what had happened, where Loretta was, and if they actually had anything to do with her being missing. It's now eight days since a young Inuit woman vanished without a trace in Nova Scotia. And while her car has turned up in southern Ontario, Loretta Saunders has not. That's left police and her family with a lot of questions. Her car was found at this home in Harrow, Ontario. Her two new roommates, Victoria Henneberry and Blake Leggett, were charged with stealing Saunders' vehicle and improper use of her bank card. They're facing charges for the use of, uh, of a bank card belonging to Matt to Miss Saunders. My worst fear? That they're keeping her somewhere. I still think that she's there somewhere. As the search for evidence continues, investigators are preparing to travel to Ontario and bring the two accused back to Nova Scotia. Blake told officers that Loretta had sold him the car before they went away. He said that the car was cheaper than a flight, so he gladly accepted the offer. But police soon discovered that the pair were wanted on unrelated charges. Blake had an outstanding warrant for not appearing in a Calgary court, and Victoria was wanted for threatening someone back in Halifax. When they were searched, Loretta's phone was found on Victoria, and Blake had Loretta's bank cards. Police watched back through the cameras in the apartment building, looking for Blake or Victoria on them, and at half past two on February the 13th, Blake appeared, carrying a clearly heavy hockey bag. He took the bag outside, returned, and then half an hour later, he came back out with yet more bags. This happened for the third and final time, and this time, he was with Victoria. Knowing what they now did, police said the video was disturbing. It was obvious to them that Loretta was likely inside that hockey bag, and they weren't going to find her alive. Neither Blake nor Victoria were talking, but when police finally got into Blake's phone, they found as close to an admission as they were going to get. Just days before Loretta was last seen, Blake filmed Victoria 
as the pair were having a drunken argument. Are you hungry? Stop it! Are you hungry? Wait for me. Are you hungry? You can't even say that you really want to kill Loretta. Really? You said that you want to kill her earlier. When did I say that? Don't lie about who I want to kill. And maybe you should stop lying. Who do you want to kill then? You're the one who says, you, oh, I want to kill Loretta. You, you just said, you're, okay, the Detectives knew that Victoria would be easier to crack than Blake, and they confronted her with the video. After a long silence, she finally said, he did it, he killed her, he smothered her with a bag. And she said the reason was all to avoid paying the rent that they owed. It soon came to light that Loretta had actually asked the pair to leave the apartment after months of not receiving any rent or receiving it late. They owed her around $600 and Loretta had reached her limit. She had gone over that day with the intention of waiting until she was paid and then making sure they left. Police pushed Victoria for more answers and begged her to tell them where Loretta was. Two weeks after the search for Loretta began, Victoria agreed to lead investigators to her. On the side of a highway, about 300 miles away, her body was finally found. Exactly two weeks ago, Loretta Saunders, a 26-year-old Halifax University student, vanished. An incredible volunteer effort mobilized to try to find her, to bring this woman home safely. And as one Aboriginal leader put it last night after it was discovered that her body was found and that this was a homicide case, people were just so incredibly saddened. People had stepped up and fallen in love with this woman. So Elizabeth, talk about the two people now facing theft charges after being found in Ontario with Saunders' car. What do we know about them? Leggett has a bail hearing in Halifax tomorrow. Henneberry was interrogated by Halifax police yesterday, and late yesterday afternoon, police announced they had a homicide investigation on their hands and that the body of Loretta Saunders had been discovered. She was still inside the hockey bag and an autopsy confirmed that she had been strangled. Today has been another emotional day at St. Mary's University as the university paid tribute to Loretta Saunders. Her two roommates are now charged with murder. More than 200 people filled the hall at St. Mary's University. There wasn't an empty chair to be found at the memorial for Loretta Saunders. And we're here to honor her, remember her, respect her. The death of the soon-to-be graduate has had a profound impact. Her life was very, was truly precious. We all miss your glamour and cheer. Know that you will never be forgotten. I know your spirit still lingers here. The president of St. Mary's says if the family agrees, a scholarship will be named in Loretta's memory. The family will get to say goodbye to their girl tomorrow. A funeral for Loretta is planned for Goose Bay, Labrador. Despite Victoria's partial admission, both Blake and Victoria entered pleas of not guilty. Although their lawyers pushed for them to be tried separately, a judge denied this request and said that they would be tried at the same time. Just as their trial was about to begin, there was a sudden change in their pleas. 
in Labrador tonight, a sense of relief at news Loretta Saunders' killers have admitted guilt. And now that An agreed statement of facts were presented to the court. The pair each gave their version of events. And the alleged truth about what had happened that day finally came out. They both said that as Loretta sat on the chair waiting for them to give her the rent, Blake came up behind her and started choking her. Loretta fought back hard and the pair fell onto the floor. Blake then tried to suffocate her with four plastic bags, but Loretta tore through all of them. Blake then banged her head off the floor twice until she stopped moving. After this, Blake wrapped her head in plastic wrap and placed her into his hockey bag. Blake dragged the hockey bag downstairs and placed her in the back of her own car. The pair then set off as if nothing had happened. They used Loretta's bank card to buy food for the trip, but when they didn't know the password, Victoria used Loretta's phone, pretending to be Loretta, and messaged Yelchin. Loretta Saunders had lost her life, simply so Blake and Victoria could avoid paying $600. It's clear that she fought for her life with absolutely everything she had. It was senseless and needless, and the way that the pair had hatched their plan and their attempts to cover everything up, is both horrifying and disturbing. Following their statement of facts, Blake pleaded guilty to first-degree murder, and Victoria pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. Blake's lawyer said, It was his idea to plead guilty. He did not want to have the Saunders family go through the very gruelling process of a public trial, with all of that evidence coming out over the next four weeks. Blake received an automatic life sentence, with no chance of parole for 25 years, and Victoria was also sentenced to life in prison, but she can apply for parole after 10 years. Blood on her hands from my daughter, and she got 10 years. Now what kind of justice is that? You tell me what kind of justice. A pregnant woman, a small little pregnant woman, two big monsters, and, you know, they say, they give us justice. Ten years. Is that justice? Anybody? Pregnant women. Murdered. Two murderers. I'd like to see the la- uh, I would like to see the death penalty come in. I would like to see the death penalty and cold-blooded murderers be taken off the street once and for all. They haven't got a right to breathe the air what we breathe because they took the life of my daughter and my grandchild. They murdered her without mercy. And I think we should have no mercy on them. As I walked down to the courthouse, I, deep down in my heart I was, I was praying and I was saying, God, if you're real, I'm sorry to be questioning you. If you're real, God, and you really have my daughter with you, please ask them to plead guilty. And it was so funny. Then I would say, oh, my God, what's like, you know, I was talking to God. And, you know, God answered my prayer. And the, all the prayers, the people, supporters who've been praying for us all through, our prayers was answered. And I'd like to thank everybody. I'm so mixed feeling. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm going to miss my girl. I'm glad that we don't have to go through what we had to do. And... I'm feeling bad for their parents. I don't know, I'm overwhelmed. I'm really overwhelmed. 
the judge called the crime despicable, horrifying and cowardly. For the family, emotions, understandably, ran high the whole time. At one point, DM lunged at Blake and Victoria, screaming at them, and as the family left the courtroom, someone shouted to Blake, saying they'd be waiting for him when he gets out. In early 2017, Victoria sought to withdraw her guilty plea, claiming she wasn't in her right mind when she had changed it. This was denied just a couple of months later. After this, Victoria started telling people that she had indigenous ancestry on her mother's side, but the parole board noted that they had no knowledge of this history. The community and Loretta's family said this was nothing more than an insult to Loretta to claim something like this. They called it a gimmick and a game to her. Two years later, Victoria contacted an indigenous women's support centre hoping they could help get her out of prison but the centre denied her application. Victoria then asked for a pass to attend an Indigenous women's sharing and drumming circle. A parole board granted her the pass, but the pass was quickly revoked after a strong public reaction. Victoria is now prohibited from accessing any Indigenous services. In 2014, a First Nations 15-year-old called Tina Fontaine was reported missing, and later found wrapped in plastic and weighed down in the Red River. A 53-year-old man was charged, but due to no forensic evidence, he was found not guilty. In the aftermath of Loretta's and Tina's murders, and many other women and girls' murders and or disappearances, advocacy groups, including the hashtag AmINext campaign, begged for an inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. This was officially launched in 2017, and finalised in 2019. Why have you uh, decided to testify here? The reason I chose Nova Scotia was uh, my daughter, was mur- Loretta Sanders, was murdered here, and here's where all my supports, I feel my supports are. She started talking to me and getting me to open up and realise what was happening to our people and giving me the courage and the... Uh, to be able to speak up. I was never able to speak up to people before, but now, uh, since her death, and meeting people out here that helped me and showed me around, Cheryl was one of them, showed me around and made me understand, hey, this is no end to it, because this is not my first murder in my family, and usually we just have to sit and, and deal with it on our own. We don't have help. DM put a blog together called A Homicide Survivor's Journey Through Grief and started working closely with Matthew Smiley, who created the documentary Highway of Tears, a film about the notorious Highway 16 and the First Nations people who have gone missing or were killed along the 724-kilometre stretch in British Columbia. Two Halifax theatres screened the documentary in support of the Loretta Saunders Scholarship Fund, a scholarship which would help Indigenous women pay for post-secondary education. DM said, It's just to honour Loretta, what she wanted to do, what she wanted to raise. She wanted to do what Matt did. She should have been here as a brilliant writer. He's a filmmaker, writer. They should have been on this side, helping the cause. And now, she's another statistic. A lot of work that I do, I think subconsciously, I want my sister to be proud of me. 
Diem was soon given the Ambassador of Conscience Award by Amnesty International. I learned so much from my sister's short time on Earth. She taught me many lessons and continues to guide and inspire me. I hope in sharing her experiences and my own, I'm able to do the same for someone else. In a devastating turn of events, in September 2021, Miriam Saunders announced that Diem had died. After losing Loretta, Diem's addiction had spiralled even more, resulting in liver failure. Diem suddenly stopped taking their medication in a desperate bid to get clean and started drinking to curb the pain from the withdrawal. It was later confirmed that Diem had died from accidental suffocation and other complications linked to ongoing issues with addiction. Dozens of people gathered in Halifax's Parade Square last night in memory of a young woman whose story touched the lives of people from coast to coast. There was so much devastation caused to so many lives because of what happened on February the 13th, and the aftermath is still widely felt. Loretta Saunders was in an amazing and exciting place in her life, with everything at her fingertips and a new baby on the way. Her biggest passion in life was raising awareness, helping to educate people, and hopefully seeing big changes one day come. It seems only right to end with an extract from Loretta's thesis, a thesis she was so proud of and excited to one day share. My story isn't unique. Thousands of girls are exposed to the exact same experiences that I couldn't even fathom wishing upon another human being. It is through this project that I aspire to educate and enlighten others, as well as provide hope and inspiration that change is possible.